Welcome to Black Executive Podcast, where we share inspiration and actionable advice for Black creatives going pro. I'm your host, Jazz. With each episode, we'll chat with Black creatives thriving in entrepreneurship, corporate careers, and the nonprofit sector, all while building a network of Black creatives, six head nods apart. Enjoy the show, where the dreamers become doers and the aspiring become inspired. Let's get started. What's up, Black Executive fam? I'm your host, Jess, and today we'll be speaking with Keisha Graves, founder of and CEO of Girls Chronically Rock, which was created to inspire and motivate people in the disability community. Welcome to the show, Keisha. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. I'm so glad that we're able to like finally talk. I know we kind of chatted back and forth, you know, online. It's always it's different when you actually get to hear someone's voice. Yes, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well, first, I wanted to say I usually don't comment on guest appearance, but considering you have a fashion brand, I must say your makeup and all your pictures is popping. Love oh, your clothing you. line. <laughs> Like I, I, everything, like everything on the side, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to get that. I need to get that. I love the pillows. I love the mask. So I will be doing some shopping after this Thank episode. You. Yes, please do. <laughs> and on that note about your website, I want to say that it is definitely a powerhouse of information and it got me to, together real quick, snatched my whole wig with some of your articles. I was like, okay, let me, let me do some inner work. And make sure that, you know, analyze my life and make sure that I'm speaking correctly and, and, you know, what can I do to be a better ally? So, like, thank you for having that source of information because it is much needed. Okay. (laughs) Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and the inspiration behind your brand? Sure. So, as I mentioned, um, my name is Keisha. And I am the founder and CEO of Girls Chronically Rock Clothing brand. And the reason I started that brand, um, I founded it in 2017. And what inspired me to start it was um, I actually am someone that lived with a disability. I was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy in around 2009, 2010, when I was actually in graduate school. So from that, you know, of course, here I was in my early 20s, you know, living my best life. And then, boom, I started to get these really weird symptoms within my body where I honestly would just be walking and my knee, my knees would like kind of buckle and my leg would kind of just oh give God. up on me without any warning or anything. So it's just like kind of happened out of nowhere. So for some time, I'm just kind of like was brushing it off. Like, you know, it would happen like here and there, but not so frequently in the beginning. It was just like one or two. So I'm like, oh, maybe I just need to do like a diet change, you know, exercise, not really thinking anything of it. But it was one day me, my mom and sister were actually leaving the supermarket and we're walking. I'm pushing the cart. And my leg just, boom, gives out on me and I fall to the floor. Mm. And when I fell, it wasn't like I can I can get myself back up. Like it was like a dead weight, like kind of like that dead weight. Like it was hard for even like, say, my mom and sister mm. to pick me up. It took like someone to kind of so kind of position me and lift me back up so I can catch my balance. So it was at that moment, my mom and sister were like, you know, I think maybe you need to see a doctor. Let's mm-hmm. go see an orthopedic to see what's going on. I'm just like, all right, you know, still really just brushing it off. So we go see an orthopedic out here in Boston at the hospital. And then I we just, you know, regular examination, regular doctor's appointments. I'm lying on the bed. They come in, kind of ask me to raise my right leg, raise my left leg. And the legs would not really go up as much as like, say, how it should, like an able-bodied person. Mm-hmm. 
So that was the first time I noticed that. And then they just kind of looked at each other like, um, so I think maybe you need to see a neurologist because they're like, you know, this looks like something more neuromuscular. Mm. Like they can just tell from that, like it wasn't just something in the feet. So I was like, all right, you know, la di da. So then I go see a neurologist. And then that's when we go straight through it. We did several tests like EKG, EMG. We did a muscle biopsy where they took a piece of muscle from out of my right leg. That was very mm. interesting. So from that biopsy, that's when she determined that I have muscular dystrophy. Crazy, right? What a story. I mean, and that that is definitely a lesson in like paying attention to your body and not brushing off symptoms of things that could you know have an underlying cause that you don't realize like that's terrifying yeah it's true it's totally true because you're like and then it's also made you realize too it's like you never know what's going on in your body yeah you know it's like so weird it's like um hello like where did you come from right you know (laughs) it's crazy my goodness. I mean, and I know I'm sure you hear this all the time, but you're like so upbeat and positive and, you know, not everyone can have that mentality. Did it take you a while to kind of get there or could or did you kind of initially like just take it head on and say like, look, you know, I'm just going to have to make some adjustments and we're going to get through this? Um, No, girl. So it was definitely took some time to get used to. So if you had asked me like a few years back, oh, do you see yourself, you know, starting a brand to inspire others or going on podcasts? No. Mm. So, yes, when I got that call that day, when the doctor said you have muscular dystrophy, that was a total shock. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what is muscular dystrophy? I never heard it. Nobody in my family seemed to have it. So I totally shut down. And then like some of us, you know, what we may do is go on Google. So I'm yeah. on Google searching what is muscular dystrophy and I'm seeing all not so great things like, oh, some people don't live past their late 40s. Mm. There's no treatment, there's no cure. So I'm reading all of that and I'm like, this possibly can't be me. Like she had to call the wrong patient. Yeah, That was honestly what I was thinking. Like maybe she got it mixed up with the results and things like that. And I'm just like, no, she can't be talking about me. So it's like I totally shut down. I wasn't really telling family and friends. The only way family knew was because, you know, my mom would share with her sisters, you know, my aunts, and then they would relay that to the rest of the family. But, you know, that's like in total shock. It's like, where did this come from? Nobody in my family seemed to have it. Mm -hmm. So I was in total denial, especially when it started to progress. Like, you know, because then I started using, you know, I was driving then, you know, still independent Mm -hmm. and, you know, doing me eventually still, you know, started to progress. So I'm starting to go to physical therapy and then I started using a cane. And even when I started using a cane, going on job interviews, I would tell them I sprayed my ankle or I was in a car accident. That's how much in denial mm. I was. I wouldn't just have muscular dystrophy. So you see what I mean? Like I was saying yeah. everything, but those two things, it just like sounded better for me for some reason, like saying muscular dystrophy was like, it just made it seem too real. So it definitely took some time. And then it honestly took one day when my, one of my friends was like, why don't you write a blog, you know, kind of share your story and your journey about being diagnosed with muscular dystrophy. Mm. And I just kind of looked like, why would I do that? I don't have muscular dystrophy. So that's how much in denial I was. But then I kind of thought about it. You know, I'm here sitting and then I just honestly opened my laptop one day and I just started typing. I just started typing and saying about all the symptoms, you know, like how I, I'm explaining to you now about the symptoms of me falling mm-hmm. and going to the appointments. And it's like it took that moment for me to write, like to type it and actually say it out loud where it took that moment for me. And I'm like, wow, I have muscular dystrophy. Like it took that moment. Never mind mm-hmm. what the doctors were saying for me as I'm typing it and saying that out loud. So once I like kind of posted that blog and 
posted it on my social media platforms and all of that. It was like, it kind of felt good because I'm like, kind of like a weight was lifted on my shoulder. Yeah. So I would say like, that opened the door a little bit, not 100%, but still like, wow, like even friends that I chatted with on a regular basis, they're like, they read that, they're like, oh my God, like, I didn't even know that, you know, because then you you wouldn't look at me because that's people don't understand, like, so all these disabilities, some of them are invisible mm-hmm. and some of them, yes, you can see them, but you know, at that time, I'm still like driving, doing me. So no one, you couldn't really look at me and tell like, oh yeah, she has a disability. So they were just as confused and like, oh my God, you know, thank you for sharing. And that kind of made me feel good and at ease just to get that positive feedback and support, right. you know, from people. So, so yeah, it definitely took some time. And like I tell people, yes, I'm cheery and I'm open to sharing my story now, but you know, I, I still have my days. I still have my days living with muscular dystrophy. I don't know what the body's going to feel like on mornings. I don't know if... I feel like I feel like I want to fall. Sometimes the body feels more weak than others. So, mm. you know, I still have I just like to let everybody know that like it's not all peachy all the time, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure you still yeah. have your days. I, uh, that's really powerful that you said it wasn't until like you had to write it. Like it's like in in writing it you had to like own that story. Like this is my story. And the power right. of the of words and, and having to, you know, put that out there. And, and and then, of course, hearing other people respond positively and, and be inspired. And I'm sure a lot of people feel seen when they see your blog. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah, it's true. And it's like, you know, that helped me, too, with just connecting with other individuals that can kind of relate and understand my story. Because mm-hmm. like I always say, there's nothing like talking talking to somebody who understands what you're going through. You know what I mean? Like, yes, the family support and family and friends is awesome. Don't get me wrong, but talking to say somebody that has muscular dystrophy or MS or someone that can relate to having a chronic illness. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, it's like, well, you're not alone. You can, you have the support out there. So that definitely has helped me along the way as well. Yes. Yes, definitely. So you said that around the time this started to happen and everything like you had been going to college and everything and now you have this fashion line so were you actually going to school for fashion or something related to fashion um yes actually I did so before even this muscular dystrophy came into my life I actually went and got my undergraduate degree and from Framingham State University out here in Massachusetts Mm -hmm. in fashion design and merchandising so I always had a passion for fashion always knew I wanted to be entrepreneur so then I then furthered, it was like a year after I graduated in 07, that I was like, you know what, I want to go back to school, like to get my master's in business to kind of get more into the business side of things. So that's when, when I was actually in school, when all the symptoms and everything started happening. But, you know, luckily I finished school and everything, got my master's degree. But yeah, I'm like, you know what, after I started coming out of denial, I'm like, you know what, I'm a true believer in certain things do happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, why not create something where I can kind of motivate and inspire others. Cause you know, I know there's others out there like me that are in total denial, you know, right. being diagnosed. This is not like something I had when I was born. This came out in my early twenties, you know, kind of out of nowhere. So, you know, and I'm a huge person on like graphic tees. I like different like inspirational quotes and mm-hmm. different tie dye shirts. So then that's when, you know, the kind of idea came to me to create the t-shirt line and how I came up with the name was, I knew I wanted something with the word chronic for chronic illnesses. Yes. But I didn't know exactly how I wanted to incorporate that. So then honestly, I was just lying in bed one night. And that's honestly when most of my creative ideas come to my head is when I'm like sleeping at night mm-hmm. or something. And I honestly thought girls chronically rock. And I love the way it sounded. I love the way it flowed. And I was like, I like that. And then I just kind of ran with it from there. I started selling on Etsy. And then from there, um, eventually, then that's when I was like, you know what? It's time to launch my own website. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's always great to have your own site. Ownership is key, especially right. for you know us as Black folks. So so much of history we've been denied that. So it, it's yes. a blessing to be able to have it now. Yes, it's so true. <laughs> so I also I also noticed that you are a champion of adaptive fashion. And so this was like a new term for me when I reviewed your site and kind of learned about that. So can you talk a little bit about adaptive fashion and its importance to consumers? Sure. So adaptive fashion is honestly, I'm just like you, Jasmine. So, of course, being in school, it's like I wouldn't think about all these things of like, you know, adaptive fashion. Because mm-hmm. here I was, I went to school for fashion design, but at that time we wasn't learning about that. And then also, of course, I didn't really like so familiar with say the disability community. So it's so, I love it now that like, I'm so kind of like my eyes had opened to like this whole different world. Mm -hmm. So adaptive fashion is kind of like more like inaccessible fashion for people like myself that have a disability to get dressed much easier on a regular basis. For instance, just to put on like, say my shirt because of the weakness in my arms. It's like, you know, I have to be careful of just, you know, either losing my balance and just kind of you know, then I can easily fall to the floor. And that's even getting help with my PCAs, aka personal care attendants that help me get dressed on a regular basis. Yeah. Which just, you know, putting on bottoms, you know, it's sometimes a struggle. And I think sometimes we take advantage of that, you know, as an able-bodied person. Because like I said, I feel like I kind of live like two lives. It's like, you know, here I was as an able-bodied person, you know, I wasn't thinking about adaptive fashion or all this accessibility. But then now I'm in a part of this community where I'm like, wow, I wasn't even thinking about these things before. So I'm mm-hmm. so glad that more designers now, such as like Tommy Hilfiger, Zappos, and also Target now have an adaptive clothing collection. I think it's awesome because people think because, you know, just because we may have a disability, like, oh yeah, we don't go well. We don't like to look good. We're not into fashion. And like, yes, we do. You know, yes, we can have adaptive fashion, but still look awesome at the same time. So adaptive fashion is AKA, like I say, accessible to make it easier. For instance, some like Tommy Hilfiger wear mm-hmm. his adaptive shirts have mag- um, magnetic snaps on like the shoulder where it's kind of like more like an easier closure, kind of give it that like leisure open room. So when we're putting on the shirt, it makes it much, much easier. Another thing is another thing with Velcro, some of our shirts where we can put our arms in the front mm-hmm. and then that way who's helping us get dressed, boom, it's like so easy. They can just Velcro the back of it if that makes sense. So it's kind of like that struggle, yeah. like putting on a regular shirt, it just makes it more accessible. And it's like so amazing because really adaptive fashion to me is not just for people with disabilities. It can be for all of us, all inclusive, to all inclusive, you know? So yes. it's like, we can wear it. Yeah. So it's like my goal is to come out, um, you know, with the adaptive clothing line under Girls Chronically Rock Umbrella. And I am in the process of right now of creating some shirts but my plan is to you know create bottoms and I want to do swimwear I want to do swimwear so bad that's another important yeah because I, a lot of people don't understand they think swimwear for some people is just seasonal but for people like myself for instance the only treatment we have right now is like going to physical therapy and that can be on land or in the pool mm, that and makes for sense me, I like to go in the pool. yeah because in the pool I feel like I just have so much more freedom it's like I'm kind of like a mermaid in the pool like I tell mm-hmm. people it's like I can do things in the water that I can't do on land. And of course, as you know, for even for an able-bodied person, coming out from the water, you know how a bathing suit, it just like sucks to your body. Yes. And it's just so annoying just to take it off just for an able-bodied person. So imagine what it's like for us. Mm. And that's just like a struggle. And I'm just like, you know, I don't want to lose my balance and how it sucks to your body. So I'm like, if this bathing suit can be like adaptive and functional, that would be so much more exciting and more motivating where I would feel exciting to get dressed, to go to the pool and when coming out the pool. Because like I said, it's awesome exercise. So 
adaptive swimwear. That's like I've been dreaming about it like these past few weeks. So I think that's the sign. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I totally that again, it's like something it's just so much education, just this conversation, the things you just don't think about because yeah, swimwear is just difficult to deal with. <laughs> you know? Um it, and so I cannot imagine, you know, having to add additional, you know, challenges on top of that. Exactly. So yep. So that's my next go. I'm like, oh, adaptive swimwear, that would be awesome. Yes. And and I love that you said that you know, by having adaptive fashion pieces, it's better for everyone. So I'm, I'm not I'm not in the fashion industry, but I do work in tech. And so I try to be a champion for accessible design online and, you know, having, yes. you know, all, um, you know, alt text and um, using fonts that are appropriate with good contrast and things like that. And I feel like that's always something that I'm having to say as well to like developers and people in conversations is when you have accessible design online, it's better for everyone. Exactly, exactly. And I'm so glad you know that. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'm, it's kind of it's kind of one of my things. So I kind of immediately go into like a new website. And I'm like, um, we need to change all of this right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay, so another thing that I noticed that you you talked about um, on your site is confidence as a muscle. And I thought that was a that's like a really interesting perspective. And I have a quote from you that says the way I see it, confidence is a muscle, you've got to work at it, putting in repetitions towards success. One day of putting on makeup, one rep, one photo shoot, one rep, affirmations, one rep, smiling at how good I look in the mirror, another rep. I love that so much. Can you talk a little bit about this idea and, and the importance of building confidence, especially as a professional? Um, yeah, I mean, it totally takes time. You know what I mean? Like I said, I never really like to tell somebody like, oh, yeah, you got this. Like, you confident. And it's like, especially say someone that first was diagnosed with something. Because I've been there. I get mm-hmm. it. So it's like, you know, it's like it takes time. Everybody deals with things differently. And I kind of feel like having that support from others, family and friends. But also, as I mentioned earlier, that support of like talking to somebody that understands what you're going through, like especially mm-hmm. having a disability. That is so important because we can all build and, you know, build that confidence within each other and just have that support, you know, because I think that's so important because it's like, you know, we sometimes feel like our voices are not heard here in the disability community. Yes. So it's like, I think that's so important to come across, you know, and have that confidence. And, you know, at, at another speaking engagement I did is like, I kind of felt like it was important because right now in my mirror in my bedroom, I kind of have like these little sticky notes where I put like, you know, I am powerful. Mm-hmm. I chronically wrong, you know, and I kind of feel like that helps because every morning as I get up and, you know, I'm looking in the mirror and I'm getting dressed, my PCA is assisting me. Like I can look at those notes and I, that kind of just like kind of builds me up. Like, okay, I got this. And yes, like I said, some days are worse than others because I never know what the body's going to feel like. But mm-hmm. I think we all have that that struggle some days, disability or not. Where, yes. You know, so especially during this pandemic and what we're going through now, it's a lot. Right. This is a lot. Yeah. So I definitely, I felt like that was powerful blog. And, you know, those words just mean a lot to me because it's like, you know, we all need to build each other up, especially people in the disability community, us as African-Americans. Mm-hmm. You know, and just like everything going on right now. So, so yeah, I felt like that was a very powerful message for me to share, you know, to just kind of, you know, have your own confidence in your need because your confidence sometimes also rubs off on others. Oh, yeah, definitely. I can, I can definitely see how important that is, especially when you're um, dealing with additional challenges every day. 
that, you know, just yes. creating ad- additional obstacles and things like that able-bodied people take for granted all the time. And I, I felt very called out and checked on that, like I said, when I was on your site, because there's so many things that <laughs> I know I take for granted. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, it, you, you need to do more education and research. And so kind of piggybacking off of what you, you said about like everything that's been going on with today's climate from coronavirus to, you know, I don't, I don't want to say racism like it's new but being put on blast in the way that it has right. this past you know this year yeah. and, and I noticed that you're very vocal about the Black Disabled Lives Matter movement and of, of, of course you should be and I, I saw a lot of stats that really kind of hit me you know that one in four um, you know people have a disability 50% of Americans killed by police have a disability and Black people of course are two and a half times more likely than our counterparts to be killed by police. So that's a huge trifecta yeah. to kind of deal with. So all of us need to be more vocal about how Black disabled lives matters. Um, and one question that kind of came to mind, I, I thought yeah. about was like, you know, what can able-bodied Black folks do to be better allies? And then just as I thought of that question, I thought, how is asking that question any different than white folks asking Black folks how to stop racism. You know, there's already so much research out there. Like, I mean, it's like, did you even take the time to research before you asked that question? So I did, did check myself and I said, let me go and look at some stuff. So I, I found some suggestions, you know, and I found that they were very similar to the same ones that we asked of white allies, right? Like educate yourself, right. this accountability, encourage inclusive practices, raise awareness, watch your labeling and word choice, et cetera. So now I kind of pose this question to you right. instead, like, are, are these a good place to start? And is there anything else more specifically that you feel that able-bodied Black people can do to be better peers to the Black and disabled community? Um, I would say, like, you know, I definitely appreciate you doing your research. For me personally, I don't mind when people say, ask me this question, mm-hmm. but I know some people, you know, are like, everybody's different, especially some people in the disability community that are not even black, you know, have certain problems with like, if you ask them, but me, I'm pretty much open. Mm -hmm. But yes, I would say, you know, I don't mind you asking me a question because it's like, again, as I mentioned earlier, because I feel like, because I was living this whole able body life before. So it's like, I kind of see both sides where, you know, I was Mm -hmm. just like you, like being an able body person, I wasn't thinking about adaptive fashion. I wasn't thinking about, oh, accessibility for a person in a wheelchair when they go there. Is this place accessible? Is it going to have stairs? So all of that, Mm -hmm. you know, I totally took advantage for and took for granted. So now that I'm on the side, it's like here I am as an African-American and disabled. So it's like I feel like I have double targets on my back. Right. So, of course, I feel like I feel like my voice has to extra be heard. I have to extra force things, extra put things out there, you know, just because it's like, you know, I'm here. I'm here to stay and my voice is here to be heard. So it's like, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, totally. You know, everybody can probably do some research. I would definitely check out other, you know, African-American entrepreneurs with a disability like myself because there's so many. And this is mm-hmm. the thing a lot of people don't understand. So it's like just hashtagging on Instagram, Facebook, disability awareness, um, hashtag chronic illness and, you know, black disabled entrepreneurs. Like you would see a whole different range of us show up, you know, of we're here with a disability, but we're doing it. We're powerful and we're having our own business. So I think that's important to maybe reach out to them, maybe ask them questions like, what mm. can I do to support you? I want your voice to be heard. So I think, and they would really appreciate that because I know I would. So maybe like take initiatives like that and do research, like, let me find some African-American, you know, disabled, you know, entrepreneurs in this, in the area or wherever, because I'm telling you, there's a lot of us. 
That's a good call out. Definitely. Um, you know, just in using Instagram hashtags to search. Like, I think that's such an underrated search tool that people often yeah. don't think about. They just, you know, I guess unless you're on the marketing side of it, then you start to see it that way. But a lot of times people forget, like, you know, that's really the purpose of hashtags <laughs> to categorize and tag. Yeah, really. Yeah. So that's it is. That's a great idea. And, and um, I know I, I'll take some time to look up some hashtags on IGs. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So on your brand, uh, Black Disabled Lives Matter, I kind of dug and, and got into a rabbit hole on your site on, you know, some suggestions about how to be active when everything was happening with the George Floyd protests. Can you talk a little bit about um, your experience with like promoting your brand and trying to be a part of that movement without maybe having to being able to physically go out and be a part of that movement? Um, yeah, definitely for me, as I always say, I like to express my emotions and what I'm going through my journey mm-hmm. of living with muscular dystrophy and everything going on in the world through my line. So of course, when all that was going on, you know that it's scary. It's terrifying. Yes. You know, people are out there protesting and I'm like, yes, I want you to protest. I'm glad, you know what I mean? Um, we want to be heard, you know, this needs to stop. But then I also was scared at the same time. I'm like, I don't see nobody out there with masks, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like all that was going through my head. And then it's like, you know, I thought it was very important because I'm like, I, me, myself, you know, I've been very scared and paranoid to go outside during this time of the pandemic because yes. I am I someone who's so. at high risk, you know, with my respiratory and my weak muscles. So, mm-hmm. you know, I thought that was important. I was like, you know what? I want to put something on a shirt. Black disabled lives matter. You know, I thought that was very powerful. And it's like once I posted that, so many people took a liking to it. And, you know, that I really got a lot of sales. So I appreciate okay. that. And that was from even people that don't have a disability and, you know, people that were not even black. You mm-hmm. know, so I thought that was important. And then another thing was black. You know, and then I did another one with just Black Lives Matter because, you know, it was like, what was everything going on at that time? And it's like I felt like that was my way to express that. And to show my support, because, yes, I was watching on the news and it it's scary. Yeah. You know, it was scary. It's like, you know, I want everybody to be safe. And it's like, you know, it's like we're, we're tired, too. We're also very tired. Us as African-Americans, it's like, when is this going to stop? Yes. We don't know. You know, so it's like, you know, I just like to express, you know, my feelings and my emotions through my line. So I thought that was very important for me to put that on a shirt. Black disabled lives matter. Like, you know, don't forget about us as well. Yes. And I, I felt like very much that that was kind of like the, the mantra behind the movement. It's like, don't forget about us also. And, yeah. and because there are so many um, other communities within the, you know, Black African-American community that often are overlooked when we talk about these issues, you know, and, and yeah. we, you know, you hear that a lot more prominently now, the LGBTQ community, which is often, you know, an, another community that's like looked over and sometimes a, a lot of times ostracized um, by different people in the black community. So, yeah, I think I think it's very important. And I definitely I saw that shirt that's going in my shopping cart as well. <laughs> yeah, yay. So you are also a big advocate of therapy from what I've been seeing. And I think we hear a lot about how therapy has helped people work through personal issues. Can you talk about uh, the role that therapy played in, you know, your acceptance into everything and also how it's kind of helped you on the business side, especially since your business is so rooted in catharsism? Um, sure. So I would say therapy, of course, it took some time. I wasn't like, boom, like, oh, yeah, I need to see a therapist. Just like it took me time to even accept the fact that I had muscular dystrophy. Right. 
So that's just, you know, one thing in itself. So yes, I believe that therapy, you know, is important. Not everybody may be, you know, gun ho about it. Like, oh yeah. Like some people are like, oh, I don't need that. Or black people don't go see a therapist. And it's like, yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> you know, it's just like not everybody's open about it. Right. So yes, but I feel like the important for me thing is, is like, to especially finding a good one, mm-hmm. you know, because I kind of feel like over time, like I definitely don't find the best that I kind of feel like I want somebody who gets it, somebody who understands. But yes, therapy has definitely helped me of expressing my emotions and letting them know what is going on. And then that kind of, you know, because then I get that feedback of advice. Mm-hmm. And people always ask sometimes, like, why is it so much easier to talk to a stranger than opposed to like, you know, someone you're close to, like friends or family? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you know, I thought about that for a minute. And I'm like, you know, it's so true. But sometimes it's just like that. Mm-hmm. We don't know why. I mean, I can only speak from my experience. Like sometimes it's just like that where this total stranger, it's like I feel okay to open up to them because it's like I kind of feel like they they don't know anything about mm-hmm. me. You know, I'm now telling them my story, if that makes sense. And so they're just there to listen and, you know, to give their advice and feedback. And I kind of feel like that has helped, you know, with regarding everything of you know, my emotions, what I'm feeling. And then of course, like you mentioned, and running my business, because that's a lot here. I am balancing living with a disability and running a business. And I'm running this by myself. I don't have like a a team of people. I don't have a board of directors. It's all me. So Mm -hmm. I'm the one who's sending and, you know, the email. So, you know, and I'm okay with that. Because at the end of the day, it's like only, you know, your business best. Yeah. (laughs) So, but yeah, yeah, that definitely has helped with, you know, talking to a therapist and, and you know it, and and I don't mind it, but I think for me, it's all about finding the best one as well. Someone you're comfortable with, someone you know, you're like, all right, you look forward to seeing, say mm-hmm. every week or how often you see them, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. When you when you actually are looking for a therapist, or um, when you look for one in the past, did you lean more towards someone who was African American um, or someone who also is from the disabled community to feel like they were more, you know, able to relate to your issues? Um, yes, I would say at first I wasn't really um gun ho on like the race. I wasn't really like um focused on that. Mm-hmm. But um I feel like now I definitely am. And then another thing is that sucks is sometimes my insurance doesn't want to cover everything. Mm. So for instance, not a particular therapist, but I did want to see a primary care doctor who kind of specializes in, in sees patients that have like say muscular dystrophy. Yes. And disability. So I'm all excited thinking I was about to see her, I can be her new patient, and then boom, find out, you know, my insurance doesn't cover a particular network. So that's another thing that sucks. And it's like, man, like here I am all excited. So that's the thing, you know, that sucks too, with sometimes these health plans, it's like, you know, they cover certain things, but not everything you may want. Mm-hmm. So, but I think for now, I think it would, I am I'm more focused on like looking for a new therapist that is African-American. And if she's an African-American that, you know, also has a disability, oh my God, that would be like a match made in heaven. <laughs> yeah, so, definitely. you know, it's definitely a process of, yeah, it's like a process of finding you know, the good, a perfect one for you. And it also, I feel like it all depends on your area of where you live. You know, I'm out here in Massachusetts, so it's very diverse out here. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, who's to say if like, say if I find a therapist that has a disability, she could be saying maybe in Atlanta or something where my insurance may not cover. You mm-hmm. know, so it's like, it's just a matter of finding that perfect one. So I'm still re- researching right now. And, you know, I'm hopeful that I will find the perfect one. You know what? That is that's actually a really good point that I hadn't considered, as especially now with COVID and everything going on and everything is virtual. You can, you know, why can't you have a therapist in Atlanta? You know, if you can schedule a virtual yeah, visit, but the insurance companies haven't quite caught up, you know, they're behind. Yes, it's so true. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, there's going to have to be some changes. Like there are several changes that can be made to um, healthcare in this country, but that's definitely going to have to be one that's made sooner rather than later. Definitely. Speaking of therapists, like because your blog is just like so um, raw and you're so open and, you know, you just are, are, you know, okay with talking about a lot of things that people may struggle with. Do you find that you have people who reach out to you and try to make you their therapist and kind of just like dump their issues onto you? Um, I feel like, yes, within the disability community where I do have some people that, you know, where I reach out, whether it be like, oh, my God, I love what you're doing with your business, Girls Chronically Rock. And I feel so inspired. You know, I'm someone that have, you know, I live with lupus and I have so many like different moms, parents that have reached out to me too, telling me about their kids live with muscular dystrophy and how, you know, they're so inspired by my story. So it's like, and, you know, they tell me their problems or if they have a fall and I totally don't mind it because as I said, it's like if you had asked me this a few years ago, it was mm-hmm. like I wouldn't be talking to nobody because it's like I didn't even figure out that I had muscular dystrophy. So it's like I totally love it when people do reach out to me because I'm like, oh, like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like they see me and they feel inspired. Like I'm like, wow, that's pretty dope because I know when I look at other people, especially black, disabled, entrepreneurs, creative artists. I'm like, that's so dope. I'm like, you go, girl. And then that inspires me to keep going and doing what I have to do. So, yeah, when I get those type of messages, that honestly warms my heart. And I'm like, oh, like they listened or they're like, oh, I just listened to your podcast. or I see your story on such and such. And, you know, I'm like, oh, that that really makes me feel good because I'm like, you know, people are, you know, paying attention and getting my message across. Because, you know, sometimes you could doubt yourself like, oh, yeah, people like, do they they rock? Like, Mm -hmm. are they listening? Do they get my mission? And you know, so when I get those messages, that totally makes me feel good. I'm like, oh, and yeah, I totally love to respond and, you know, hear their stories because I know what that's like yes. of talking to somebody who gets yes. it. That is, that is so important in being open to having those conversations because I know, um, just like you said earlier, uh, in, in conversations, sometimes people are open to educating you and sometimes people are like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Like, Google it yourself. I don't have time for this. And I've been on both sides of that for the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, sometimes I'm cool having those conversations. Sometimes I'm like, nah, do your homework. I don't want to talk. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That is true. (laughs) So I've heard you, you've kind of mentioned that you, you know, it seems like you strategically seek out um, other, you know, Black and disabled entrepreneurs and creatives. Can you drop some of your favorite artists, businesses, just to like give them additional visibility and people can, who are listening to this, they can go out and support? Sure. Um, one person that inspires me is, I believe her, it's Lauren Spencer. And on Instagram, her name is It's Lolo. She's awesome. Uh, this, you know, she has a disability, African-American, and she has, you know, changed the game. She's been a model, wow. Tommy Hilfiger, Zappos, all of that stuff. So she's definitely somebody I look up to. Another person is, I believe her name is Stephanie. She also, I believe, has a disability and she is also a disability stylist. So she has, she styles, mm. like, you know, dis, um, models with a disability for these different yes. lines. And I think that's so awesome. They're both African-American and there's so much more that I can probably, but those are the top two right now that I can think of. But even, as I said, if you hashtag, like, say, African-American or Black disabled entrepreneur, like, you're going to see a whole different range and you're going to be like, wow, like, look at all this group of people that, you know, we wouldn't think to look at or, you know, certain things like that. So definitely check them out. Use hashtags, you know, like Black content creators, Black disabled content creators and all of that. And you'll see a whole different range of people that you didn't even know exist out there. 
Yes, yes, definitely. Y'all look up those hashtags. Look up those creatives that she just yes. dropped and make some connections. I'm always plugging on the show connections. That's one of the core purposes of the show is to connect other Black creatives with each other. And we need to support each other. We need to build a huge community and we need to be more accessible to each other. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your what is your ultimate goal for Girls Chronically Rock? Where do you see it going? What's your vision? Sure. My vision is to create Girls Chronically Rock into a movement, but most important, well, already, I honestly think it's a movement right now, but my goal is to make Girls Chronically Rock into a major empire. I am looking mm. to get Girls Chronically Rock into like stores as such as Target, Macy's. I'm looking to collaborate with designers like Tommy Hilfiger, Betsy Johnson, where I looked up to those designers growing up. And I also was inspired by fashion designer um, Kimora Lee Simmons from Baby Fat. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I saw, yeah, I saw that was like my line back in the day. But um, yeah, so I would love to, you know, collaborate. Yeah, I would love to collaborate with those designers and get Girls Chronically Rock into stores and just kind of make this movement, you know, incorporate that with my different speaking engagements and hopefully get on TED Talk and, you know, just Girls Chronically Rock have all these different many things under the Girls Chronically Rock umbrella. But yeah, I'm just looking to build that empire. Yes, and I am claiming all of that for you. We are going to manifest Thank that, you. especially the TED Talk. That's that's also a life goal of mine too, is to do a TED Talk. Yes. It's you. Awesome. I see it. I see it coming Thank for you. you. Thank you. You as well. <laughs> Thank you. So, as we get ready to wrap up, how do, you've already talked about this a, a, a bit, um, but it's just a general question I always ask my guests. How do you feel like your work impacts the Black community? I feel like my work um, impacts the Black community just because I am someone who is Black and also have a disability. So I kind of feel like right. I am now teaching them a whole different range. Because as I mentioned before, being an able-bodied person where I took a lot of things for granted. So now I have this mm-hmm. platform where I can share with others in the Black community, Black disabled community, where we can all come together as one and support each other, whether we have a disability or not. So, you know, I kind of feel like I have this this movement and platform where it's like, you know, I'm educating, you know, people like yourself, as you said, you learn so much just from reading, you know, my website. So now you can take that knowledge and then share it with the next person. So I kind of feel like, you know, I would hope that, you know, I do have an impact and I hope that the African-American, you know, community does, you know, kind of learn about my movement of what I have going on as a Black disabled person and kind of be like, wow, like, that's pretty dope. Where I do get sometimes messages like that, where mm-hmm. we're like, you know, we want to share your story on, say, our our Black website and different things like that. And I'm like, you know, I appreciate that because we're coming together, you know, as one. And they're learning a whole different, you know, side of the world. This yes. whole, wow, she's like, and she has a disability. So it's like they're learning a whole new life themselves. And I appreciate that. And I want to use my voice, you know, to do that. Yes, and it's definitely being used. You could definitely tell that you have an impact and looking at all of the different platforms that you've, you know, been on. And I just can't imagine the lives that you've touched and the awareness and the ability Aww. for others to have felt seen. I know that is just so important, you know, as Black people, Black women, and then I'm sure especially as a Black disabled woman to be seen, to feel seen. Yes. <laughs> exactly, yep. That's true. We will. We are going to be seen. We will be seen. <laughs> yes. So what advice do you have for aspiring creatives looking to start a brand with a deeper, impactful meaning and deeper work for a specific community? Um, my advice for people when I do get asked this question is I say just go for it. 
you know, it was like, if you have an idea or a vision, I would say just do it. And yes, it's more easier said than done. I totally get it. Because especially if you're in a mindset of you first being diagnosed or if you have like, you know, bad news or something, of course, it takes mm-hmm. time to process that. You know what I mean? But it's a good way to kind of incorporate that to maybe start blogging, start a YouTube channel. And before you know it, whatever you had, your vision will be up and running. Because I notice people love to hear that raw and honest, you know, stories. Yes, they do. And yes, I know it's not easier for everybody to express that, you know, because I get like I said, it took me like I feel like I just came out of denial the other day. So I totally get that. You know what I mean? Where it's like some people may first get a diagnosis from a doctor or whatever, and they totally embrace that where they're like, oh, hey, you know, like I got diagnosed and, you know, I want to share with everybody. Whereas me, I was not like that. Mm-hmm. I was like totally shut down. But, um, you know, I would say if you have an idea or a vision, I would just, you know, go for it. Because before you know it, your idea will be up and running and just take your time, be a part of the different groups that are on Facebook, like um, Boston Business Women, Women Helping mm-hmm. Women, um. You know, there's black um, entrepreneur groups out there. And I think that's so important because connecting with other individuals, if you have an advice or something you want to share, like you'll be surprised. There's so many support out there of like, you know, people responding and giving you that like positive feedback or whatever, that honest truth that you want to hear. So definitely social media is a, a game changer. And I feel like definitely take advantage of that, you know, especially during this time we're in now with this pandemic. It's like, who knows when things are going to get back to 100% normal, but yeah, mm-hmm. join those groups and, you know, ask those questions you want to ask and you'll be surprised of how many supporters out there in these groups. So, cause that definitely has helped me along the way as well. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm sure, especially like you said, now more than ever that need to connect. Um, yeah. How have you been coping with everything that's going on with the pandemic? Has your routine been drastically changed or, um, you know, are you have you been able to resume to back to some of your normal routine as of yet? Um, I would say the most because I would tell people like I'm like an introvert, so I don't mind being at home. Like I told people, I feel like I was like prepared for this pandemic. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so fine being at home. Like I love watching my TV shows. They keep me entertained. But yes, um, once this pandemic hit, you know, like I was going to aquatic therapy um, prior like going to the pool, getting my exercise. But of course now, like I totally, like I have not, I've been outside for the first time two weeks ago since March. Wow. So that's just tell you like, I've been so paranoid because I feel like, oh, I'm going to go outside and that Corona is just going to jump on me. Right. And I'm like, I don't want to deal with that. So I'm totally, I've been inside, but I'm okay with it. But yeah, so certain things like that where like I haven't been able to go to aquatic therapy where, you know, I've been having my televisits with my doctors over the phone and virtual visits, which I'm totally fine with. But yes, I know there's going to be a point when I do need to go into the doctors because, you know, like to get blood work done and mm-hmm. to get my um, annual um, echocardiogram to check my heart to make sure everything is okay. And, you know, but as of right now, like for instance, even the aquatic therapist that I was seeing, they're like, oh, you know, you can, if you want to come in, if you want, if you feel comfortable with doing one-on-one and we're not going to have all these different people in the pool. But I told her, I was honest, I'm like, I don't feel comfortable yet coming back in the pool. Like, I just feel yeah. like I'm, I'm not there yet. I was like, no, I'm not there yet. I was like, although, yes, we'll be safe. But I was like, I'm just not there yet. So I think I kind of like just told everybody, like, I'm just restarting January 2021. And we'll even see what it looks like then, honestly. Yeah. But yeah. So it totally has impacted with like going to aquatic therapy and things like that. But otherwise, like, I'm chill. I've been at home. And yes, I haven't really seen many family and friends just because, you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm staying over here. You stay over here. I'm staying there. Yes, I'm with you. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, but I'm OK. You know, I mean, I watch Netflix, watch my Hulu's, my different reality TV shows I watch. Yeah, I'm a TV fanatic. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel you. I have certain shows that I 
that I stick with. It, it takes a lot for me to get invested in one, but once I do, yeah. I'll binge it. Right, exactly. And that kind of just keeps your mind off of kind of like, well, for me personally, of like, you know, what's certain things that are going on in the world? Like, you know, like when I watch my shows, I tell people they kind of keep me grounded, keep me sane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. So Definitely. how can people find you online to keep pace with your creative journey? Sure. You can definitely check out my website, girlschronicallyrock.com. I am on Instagram, girlschronically underscore rock. I am also on Twitter and I am also on Facebook. I have a business page, Girls Chronically Rock. And you can find my personal page on Facebook, Keisha Graves. So yeah, definitely check out, send me a message, check out my merchandise. Yes, definitely check out that merch because it was dope. There was a mask. I think it was like, trust your dopeness. I was like, oh, man. I've got to yes. get that. <laughs> Love it. <Yes. laughs> Thank you. You're, are you, what, that's a, that's, I know like we're wrapping up, but that's a quick question. Where are you getting your inspiration for like some of these ideas? Cause I noticed you had like some very clever sayings on some of your products. Um, yeah, I would say for myself, like I just like trust your dopeness. For instance, I thought of that because mm-hmm. I'm like, trust and believe in yourself. Trust your dopeness. Trust the abilities that if you want to accomplish something, you can do it. Same thing with my other shirt. Hello, my name is Chronically Ill Badass. I thought that was a good way to express yes. it. I'm like, yes, I may be chronically ill, but I'm badass. I still got a life. We, I still go out. I still date. I'm into fashion. You know, and then the other one, I, I was inspired because I thought walk with the twist. Because I thought mm-hmm. that was important because I'm like, yes, like as I mentioned before, some of people have invisible disabilities and then some people, you know, do not. So I kind of felt like, you know, here I was when I used to walk with my cane and my walker. I kind of like, all right, we kind of have our own signature walk. like. Mm-hmm. With the twist. So I thought that was important to express on a shirt. So yeah, all my different sayings, like, and I have unapologetically unique, unapologetically black and disabled. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought that was important because I'm like, here I am, yes, as an African American. And then yes, you gotta accept me for who I am. I'm black and I have a disability. So a lot of my sayings I kind of like it could just be random, like they kind of just pop in my head or certain random things I say, like I know I, I would tell people, yeah, trust your dopeness. And then I thought, oh, that would be kind of cool on a shirt. Yes. You know, so it's like I randomly can say things sometimes and then I kind of like, oh, like, let me put that on the shirt. You know, so it's mm-hmm. kind of all like, like uh, express my emotions of things I may think about. And I get a lot of my inspiration just from like, like I said, random things I may say, things I may see online and then just from watching my TV shows. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I can see they're very creative. So I will yeah, definitely think <laughs> a lot of your gear. Make sure that y'all get out and like and support girls chronically rock because that is first the name is dope the brand is dope the story behind it is dope and i'm so glad that you were able to take some time to talk to me today yes and thank you for having me it was a pleasure being here absolutely absolutely i would love to talk with you anytime it has been a pleasure of mine thank you wow what a wonderful episode with keisha she just came through with all of the tips that we needed to make sure that we are being inclusive and mindful of all Black lives, not just some Black lives. So I'm going to hit you with five key takeaways that I got from today's episode. Let me know if you have different key takeaways. Leave feedback. Get on Facebook, IG, or Twitter, and respond to this episode. So number one, changes in your personal life do not have to affect your career and business goals. Find a way to adapt. Keisha went to school to study fashion. And despite having been diagnosed with a chronic illness, it took her a minute to get back on track, but she did. And she continued with her goals and still went on to open 
her own business and start her own fashion line, which has a popular following. Number two, create for people like you. If you need a product, chances are that someone else does too. So create it, sell it, build a community around it, and use your story about your business, the cause, and your purpose to empower someone who may be going through the same struggles. Keisha talked a lot about the fact that when she was able-bodied, she you know, didn't think about a lot of things that a lot of us who are also able-bodied may not think about sometimes. I know that there are a lot of things I had considered that I learned from preparing for this episode with her and speaking with her. So, you know, once she actually became a part of the disabled community, she had to rethink a lot of things. And because of that, she realized she needed to create products that not only work for her, but that will work for people just like her going through similar pain points. Number three, make choices that are good for all consumers, not just the ones you immediately think of. A perfect piggyback to the last point, adaptive fashion, which Keisha learned about, is a great example of how friendly fashion is good for all consumers and not just some. Number four, seek and find the mental health resources you need to be a healthy business owner. Owning a business is a lot, especially if you're doing it alone. Talk to someone, get a therapist. Y'all, it's 2020. We are not ashamed of going to therapy anymore, okay? Like, Take your behind to a therapist, you know, in the COVID world, get online. There are plenty of resources to finding online therapists, all types of resources that you can use. Number five, find and support entrepreneurs on a similar path as you. When someone wins from our community, we all win, period. We all win. That's why we have this podcast. It doesn't matter how many people I talk to in similar industries, similar fields, doing similar work. They're doing different things, they have different approaches, and they're going about it in a different way. And we can all benefit from learning what other people in our field are doing and how we're making moves as a community and how we can connect with each other to make those moves more impactful. So those are my five key takeaways for today. As usual, thanks for tuning in. So happy that you were able to stick around for another episode of Black Executive Podcast. If you like the episode, make sure that you let me know. Either reach out or definitely leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, keep aspiring to inspire. Thanks for listening to another episode of Black Executive. If you enjoyed listening in on this convo, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Black Executive. Have something to add to the conversation? Visit blackzecutive.com to leave feedback and your thoughts could be featured on a later episode. While you're there, pick up your exclusive Black Executive gear and rep the culture. And spread the knowledge. If you know a Black creator trying to go pro, a corporate mogul looking to advance, or a cousin that's always hustling but never gets an idea going, drop them a link to the show. Until next time, keep aspiring to inspire.